0: in the outlying area. Um, Brother Peter, the man who is interpreting for us, lives in Denang. Nang. Uh, incredible testimony of what God has done in his life. Uh, but that, that meeting was, yes, it wasn't a hotel room. Yes, they were sitting on a bed because it is illegal what we do. And so we were hiding out on the 23rd floor of a hotel we rented out we rented out the entire floor, <laughs> and uh, it was such a privilege because that was actually mine and my wife's room that we used for the meeting, and so to have we had thirty people in our hotel room hearing the message preached. It was twelve Trinitarian pastors and their wives. Nobody in that room besides us and Peter were apostolic. And so I just recently, like two weeks ago, Brother Peter messaged me and said, Hey, some of these people we met with in Deneing want to start doing Bible studies. I'm telling you, there is a great and effectual door opened. There is a great and effectual door open for the gospel to go forward and so then we at the close of that meeting we traveled up to Haiphong which has been the base of everything that our churches have been able to do in Vietnam and you saw the beautiful building uh, much of which Brother Carl Elder was a force in raising funds and, and getting that, that completed and um, so our goal for 24, we're going back in March of 24. We are not just going to Vietnam, but we're going back to the Pacific Rim Summit in Bohol, Philippines. And we wanna take three, four key leaders with us to that meeting because these people live in isolation. I don't, I don't know if I have the words to explain to you how destructive communism is to the human spirit and mind and they fear and they live in fear and even though they've received the Holy Ghost and even though they've been baptized in Jesus name they still live with this overwhelming oppression and how amazing would it be to take them and just lift them out of that for a few days and put them in an environment like we're experiencing tonight where the Holy Ghost can just move on them and work on them and saturate their spirit and what a difference that will make when they go back into their field of labor and the anointing that they will carry with it. Amen. And so uh, just real quickly, I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of time, Pastor, but you did ask me to share part of Brother Peter's testimony. Uh, Brother Peter ra- was raised an Anglican in the nation of Vietnam. Uh, there's a couple mainline churches that have permission to operate and uh, a lot of that has to do with how much of the tithing goes to the government. Okay, I'm being real candid. So they asked, uh, someone asked if, if we were looking to get official status with the government. And the, I don't know because they, they take a piece of the tithing and I'm, it's not biblical. But anyways, we'll see where we get with that. So Brother Peter so always had a love for God, a love for the Word of God, and he was involved in different church groups growing up and even into college. And as he was in his first couple of years of college, I don't remember if it was his first or second year, a missionary came from Nepal and began to preach the apostolic message to him and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And he spent several days in the meetings with this missionary, and he was, he could not be convinced, and he was contentious about it, and he argued with him, and, and so he went home after the last day of meetings, and he was in his home studying his Bible, and it just, all of a sudden, everything that the missionary had been saying came crashing in on him, and he said, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And the missionary was leaving the next day, and he knew he just had a short window to be baptized. And so at 10 o'clock at night, he got in a taxi, I don't know, or on a little motor scooter, and went over to the hotel where the missionary was staying, and he got him out of bed, and he said, I have to be baptized in Jesus' name before you leave. And the missionary baptized him in the name of Jesus for the remission of his sins. (laughs) Amen. Amen. No church, no pastor, just a hunger to know God and a hunger for the Word of God. And so over the next period of time, he he developed a little group of friends that they they were hungry for God. They were studying the scriptures together. There were four of them. One of them was one of his cousins. And so they got together and they came to the consensus from studying the scripture that the only evidence for receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues. And so there they were in a room having a prayer meeting. They had determined, we will not leave here until we have received the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and so they were shut up in this room and they were in a prayer meeting. And I don't know exactly how long the prayer meeting went, but they had been there a little while praying. Much like the day of Pentecost. And Brother Peter said, and I don't know if you noticed in the presentation, as actually him giving his testimony was that little blurb. And he moved his hands up and down. He said he began to feel the wind blow up and down his body from the head to the feet. And it startled him so much he turned to look to see if the window or the door was open, but the windows were shut and the door was closed. But just like on the day of Pentecost, the wind of the Holy Ghost began to blow into that room, and all four of them received the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. He did it in the book of Acts, and he's still doing it today. There are still hungry people, and if we will just make ourselves available, we can be a part of what God is doing. Oh, Amen. Amen. Why don't we just clap our hands to the Lord. Oh, well, let's give God praise for what he's doing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. And I would like to ask the church, I know... This church gives and gives and gives. And God gives back to us. But if you would like to give to see these key pastors go to this summit in the Philippines from the, the country of Vietnam, if you don't have it tonight, you can put it into an envelope and put on there, uh, travel for Vietnam. And we will send it to, do we need to send it to Hope Without Borders? Amen. And uh, I would like to. God is good, amen, Uh, you may be seated for just a moment before we read, I uh, just wanted to revisit for just a moment Vietnam, There was so much that happened this last year, Brother Carriker, yes, sir. Um that just blew our minds. It was hard to even get everything down on paper to express. But And this may seem like a really small feature of what God was doing on that trip, but we saw more kids in church this time around than we have ever seen before amen Um, now we work with kids every day amen and uh, that's a different experience (laughs) than most of us are accustomed to but um, the, the future of the work in Vietnam is those kids. And, and for a long time, it was like bringing the kids to church was an option. Like, might leave them at home, might send them to grandma's, but they rarely showed up at church. But this time, there was... Like, the place was packed with kids. And I really felt like it was God telling us, not only am I about to pour out the Holy Ghost on on these people, but I'm about to open up a generational move of the Holy Ghost that is going to impact this nation. Amen. How important are children? They're so important that Hitler invested millions of dollars to get the children of Germany in his Hitler Youth. Millions of dollars. Children are so important, so important, that the second largest budgeted entity in Pueblo County is District 60 schools. Somebody's vying for the next generation. Whether it's here or it's Vietnam or wherever it is. And I'm telling you, God has opened a door for us to reach into the next generation. And let's not miss that opportunity. Let's, let's grab it. Amen. Bishop Wilson says it like this. Opportunity only has hair on the forehead. It's bald on the back. Once it goes by, you can't get a hold of it. So when opportunities come and you snatch it by the head and you hold on to it. And there are opportunities. Opportunities in Vietnam and there are opportunities that are opening up for this church. Yes. Amen. How many appreciate a pastor with vision? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. How do I know that he has vision? Not from the words that he says, but from the people that he sent out of here this morning to go do work in other places. Amen. Amen. Two got the Holy Ghost and lions this morning. Let's stand and thank God for that. Let's worship him. God, I thank you for every person who's receiving the Holy Ghost. In this area of Kansas, God, I thank you that you're pouring out great revival. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3 in verse 8. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. Thank you again, Pastor and Sister Carricker, for having us. This weekend, it's a great privilege. Thank you, church, for responding to the Word of God and supporting your pastor this morning. I believe it was a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost what happened in this place. And uh, I'm excited to hear reports because I I just think things are about to blow up. Amen. In in a good way. (laughs) Praise God. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come up unto me, and I have also seen the oppression with where, wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." Amen. Pastor, would you pray for us? In the name of Jesus. seated. Thank you for standing for the word. I want to preach to us for a little while tonight on skewed images and twisted perceptions. Skewed images and twisted perceptions. How many of you have ever been to a funny house at a fair or a carnival where all of The mirrors twist and distort the images that you're looking at. So when you stand in front of those mirrors, you know, a heavy person might look pretty thin, and a thin person might look pretty heavy, and a short person might look pretty tall, and a tall person might look pretty short, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if it can make an ugly person look good-looking, but it definitely, by bending the light, distorts the image that the eye perceives, because your eye is an organ of light. Your eye operates on light. As the light passes through the eyeball and hits the optic nerve, it transfers messages down the optic nerve to your brain, and it tells you what you're looking at. That's a really shortened explanation of how your eye works. If you want a more in-depth one, call your eye doctor, okay? <laughs> but this is, this is how this eye in our body works. It's an organ of light. It's the same way in the spirit. When God brings light to us, we begin to see clearly what he is doing and what is going on around us. So much so that Jesus said in John chapter 3 that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And so it is uh, oftentimes when we're reaching out to people, we're witnessing to people, and we're trying to explain to them things regarding the kingdom of God. And many times they will say things like, well, I don't understand or I don't see it that way. They don't see it that way because they're not born again. Even many people that we encounter that, that say they're born again because of quote-unquote born-again Christianity that is not born again. But it's all deception. It's all twisted images. It's twisted perceptions where people are not seeing clearly. You think about it, most churches in America today preach the same message, whether they're Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran. You go in a Lutheran church, you're not going to hear a Lutheran doctrine. When you go to a Methodist church, you're not going to hear what John Wesley preached. You step into almost every church in North America today, you are going to hear, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess with your mouth, and you are saved. The Baptists don't baptize and the Methodists don't have a method. And I'm not taking, I'm not taking shots at anybody. But God forbid that the Pentecostals get to the point where they don't have any Pentecost. God forbid that we should go the way of the church world and buy into the twisted images that have been presented as truth. God help us to see clearly what I got to see. And this became particularly important to me over the last year because I'm, I'm not old, and I think I'm a little ways from getting old, but I'm further from young than I am from old. I turned 45 this year, and I begin to realize, as I was working one day, I can't read this. Now the problem is, is that I've always had problem with my vision at a distance. So that's why I have glasses. But now I can't see up close. So I went and got an eye exam, and they used the dreaded word, bifocal. Uh, and I said, not quite. My arms got a little more to stretch. But I begin to realize how much, even though I've worn glasses most of my life, how much I depend on my ability to see what is in front of me. Particularly when you're reading or working on the computer or helping a student with an assignment, and you're like, man, I can't even see that right now. But how much more important is that in our spiritual walk? I'm seeking to please God, but what happens when I can't see Clearly, I can't see, and you're like, What in the world does that have to do with Exodus chapter 3? Numbers chapter 16 and verse 13 reads, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us out of a land that floweth with milk and honey? Wait, 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 what just happened? In Exodus chapter 3, verse 8, God told Moses, I'm going to bring these people into a land flowing with milk and honey. In number 16, Korah, speaking to Moses in accusation, says, Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey? This is just a few weeks. After crossing through the Red Sea, what happened? He let his vision get twisted. When he was standing over here in Egypt, he could see that it was a place of bondage, torment, and pain. But all of a sudden, we get over here out of Egypt a little ways, and we look back and we think, oh, the milk and honey's back there. I'm preaching to somebody today. There's nothing left for you in the world. There's nothing back there. There is no milk and honey. I don't care how twisted the image is right now. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It's It's still the same Egypt that it was when you came out of it. And when you go back, it's going to be the same bondage, maybe even worse. That you left. You better pray and ask God to clear up your vision where you can see clearly. And it becomes even more important when our vision is distorted that we not rely on that. You realize that with AI, they could create almost anything they want to create. With enough content of your face and audio recording, Brother Ethan, I can't because I'm not tech savvy. But I bet Brother Pound or Brother Mitchell Elder could make you say and do almost anything on video. You better not trust the images that are being put in front of you. You better hear the voice of God. You better hear what the voice of God is saying in this day. And I was actually in a conversation recently when we were talking about the fact that the kingdom of the Antichrist will take take the world stage and take rule by lying signs and wonders. And they will worship the image of the beast. Why is everything in our world today so image-driven? You know, when television first came out, you could argue that the programming wasn't so terrible. I mean, you could argue it. I don't know that I would believe it. But, I mean, what's wrong with Laurel and Hardy? Laurel and Hardy, the three stooges. A bunch of guys walking around smacking each other in the head, right? But well, look where it's come to. And look how you have a, multiple generations now that are programmed to. I, I was talking to Brother Jake the other night, and uh, they told us to stay in our house, and what did we do? I didn't. You can ask my wife. The day they said, Stay home, I got my truck and went out just because I could. Like, make, make me stay in my house. How did they communicate that to the world that you need to hide and stockpile toilet paper under your bed? How did they communicate that? They communicated it through an image that people have learned to spend hours and hours of their week with that image, telling them everything that they need to know about life. Constant, constant. And so it began with television, and then computers, and internet. And I know that we have to use it, we've got to use it to function, to work, to to do almost anything today. But then it developed from there to now that the image is literally in your pocket. And you're connected to that image most of the day. They're doing studies now to show the negative effects of using a screen within the hour before you go to bed and how it disrupts sleep. But how many of us will be on our phones tonight before we go to bed? It's the power of an image. And, it, and it, again, it's useful, it's a tool, but how much of it is distorting how we are perceiving reality? And we judge our lives based on what we see other people posting on Instagram. I promise you, what they're posting on Instagram is the highlight reels. It's the best 60 seconds of their week. It's not the rest of the week. It's not the 40 hours they spend at work. It's not the moment when their kid puked on them. It's not... The argument that they had with their spouse. It's not any of that. It's, you know, themselves and their latte or whatever they're taking a selfie of. And so we begin to perceive that other people's lives are just so much better than what God has given us. But it's a twisted perception. It's a warped image because that's not life and nobody's living that way. Everybody is getting out of bed and doing the grind and going to work. And if they're living for God, they still got to get up and go pray and read their Bible. I promise you, if, if they're posting the highlight reel of people receiving the Holy Ghost in their church services, that's because they did the grind the other 80-plus hours of the week. God, touch our eyes. Help us to see clearly. So in number 16 we see that the children of Israel are out in the wilderness and they've encountered some difficult situations. There is always a journey. Oh, oh here's my favorite word. And a process to get from when God gives you the vision until you see it fulfilled. And you know what? I hate the process. I hate every minute of the process. I hate every struggle that is involved in the process. I'm just being transparent with you tonight. When God said, I'm gonna open up doors and, and you're gonna I'm gonna do this, this, and this in your life, I was like, Yes. And so we started out on it. And we haven't got there yet. But it sure doesn't look like Any step of the way so far does not look like the end result. Joseph had a dream and got thrown in a pit. Then he got sold. Then somebody lied on him. Then he went to prison. Anybody want to be used? (laughs) Does anybody want to be used of God? Is the final outcome worth the journey that you have to take to get there? I made up my mind it's worth the journey. Whatever I have to go through to get there, whatever sacrifices I have to make, I don't know what every obstacle is going to be, but I am going to press forward and press into what God is calling me to do. I'm going to get there. And so, if you read through the book of Numbers, you would would wonder why Moses didn't let God kill him. (laughs) Because they are constantly having issues with Moses and with what God is doing. Can I encourage somebody tonight, when you don't understand why things are going the way they are, just just do yourself this favor okay just close your mouth just close your mouth <laughs> because you don't want to say something that's going to jeopardize the future promise of God in your life you don't want to do something that's going to jeopardize your relationship with the man of God in the process just close your mouth and if you got questions or you don't understand or you're frustrated take it in prayer don't take it to your neighbor don't take it to your brother across the church don't take it to your sister across the church well I don't understand why I don't think that's blah, blah 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 close your mouth yeah. You're going to sabotage your promise. You're going to sabotage your part and what God is going to do through this church. What God is going to do through this church is going to happen. It has been prophesied. It has been promised. It is, it is the will of God that the vision that God gave this man is going to be fulfilled. But here's the catch. You're not guaranteed to be a part of it. Right. Cora was a levite. Cora waited on the house of God. Cora had a ministry. Cora had a calling. Cora was a part of the of the inner workings of the tabernacle. He had a high calling. He had a gifting. In the kingdom of God. But he allowed his calling and his gifting. I might be preaching to leaders right now. He allowed his gifting and his calling to get so twisted up in his head where he could not see straight. And he actually says to Moses, haven't we prophesied too? Well, I preach too, Brother Carricker. Better watch yourself. I'm not pointing fingers. I'm just saying. This is what God gave me to preach. So if if the shoe fits, put it on. And he got so warped. And his eyes got so off the prize, which was a land flowing with milk and honey, that he looks back to Egypt and says, you brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey. He actually got to the point where he believed that Egypt was the land flowing with milk and honey. And watch, if you read through there, you watch Moses' response. What does he do? He falls on his face because that's what a pastor does. And the Bible says that Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Here was this, this man, Korah, and these group of people who were moving, following with him. So opposed to the man of God because they got their sight all messed up. that They could not be reasoned with. Here was the man who was praying for them. The man who had smote the rock and the water came out. The man who put the rod out over the sea and it parted. The man who put the rod back over the sea and the waters came in and destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. This is the man that they are opposing. The man who prayed and manna came down from heaven. The man who prayed and the quail came. This is the same man that they are in opposition to. The man who threw the branch into the waters of Marah and the bitter waters were made sweet. This is the same man that Korah has a problem with. Because he can't see clearly. He really believes, he has become so distorted in his vision that he believes that Moses brought them away from blessing. Let me, let me give you some advice. Having, having been through this process that you're about to embark on, There are people who do not sit on the pews of Christian Growth Center today because we built. There are people who became so fixated with 2901 O'Neill the terrible domed building. Because they had attended so many services, they had sat on those pews so many times, they didn't want to leave. <laughs> Be careful. God is pushing forward. The Spirit of God is moving forward. The promises of God are coming to pass. Be thankful for this. Be thankful for everything that God did here. Be thankful for every person who received the Holy Ghost in this building. Be thankful for every person who was baptized in this baptistry. But realize we are going forward. We cannot go back. We have to go forward. We have to move forward. I will not lose out on my future by clinging to that which is passing away. I'm going to... Be cautious, but I really feel the prompting of the Holy Ghost. There were people who felt like it was a waste of money. The people who were the most vocal about how the money was spent on the building gave the least. So when someone comes to you complaining about how pastors spending the building fund money you remember what I said. The people who complained were the people who gave the least. I, I would like to think there's nobody like that in this building. I pray there's not. But I, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And I know human nature, and I've been doing this for a minute. There are dangerous transitions as you move forward into the next paradigm. There are things that have to be navigated well, and it's navigated on your knees, and it's navigated with your Bible open, and it's navigated with a humble spirit that says, okay, pastor, what are we doing? We walked in one night, And Bishop had painted the wall in the foyer school bus orange. And people were like, has he lost his mind? But remember what I said, there's a process. Looks pretty good once you get the stain wash over the top of it. Bible says don't judge anything before it's time Jesus So Moses is Moses is navigating this issue with Korah He's really reaching for him. He's trying to pull him back in and 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 keep him from losing his mind, but he just won't be reasoned with. And so Moses says, all right, tomorrow we're going to meet out here at the house of God. And God is going to judge. And Moses even makes a statement in there halfway down through the chapter. I don't know the exact verse right now, but he said, I've not taken anything from these people. Accusations fly back and forth and just crazy stuff. People just, when their vision gets messed up, Pastor, they just start doing crazy things. And so there they are out in in front of the house of God and they bring up their censers to offer up sacrifice. And Moses says, if they're of God, so be it. But if not, if I'm the one who's called and I'm the one who's anointed, the ground's going to open up and swallow them alive. And the scripture says that the ground opened up and swallowed up Korah and everything that pertained to him. You better watch it when people begin to have negative attitudes, when they begin to have negative spirits, when they begin to talk about the man of God in your life. You better pull back you better pull back you don't want to get too close to Cora. you can be kind you can be uh, uh, polite but you do not have to allow someone to pull you into their negative attitudes and their negative spirits I've I mean it's probably not the right way to handle it it might be a little rude but I've literally just turned around and walked away from people And the ground swallows them up, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, well, I guess that's over, right? Nope. Verse 41 But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses. It's the next day. I would think. I could be wrong, but I would think that if I had just watched the earth open and swallow a man down into the earth with everything he owned and all of his buddies, that I would wait a few days, maybe a week or two. But this was on the morrow. They murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. You did it. Now, I think I'm pretty amazing. But I have never made the ground open up. I'm just being facetious. okay? Like, I I can do a few things well. I know my skill sets. And I can tell you what I can do well. But I'm not very good at opening up the pit of the earth and sucking people down into hell. Like, I can't pull that off. I'm pretty sure Pastor Carricker can't do that either. Neither could Moses. It was God executing judgment. And yet the very next day, twisted images, warped perceptions. They can't see clearly. They cannot see clearly. They are literally a day later looking back and they're like, oh, he killed them. Like, what? Have you ever been in a situation where you observed or heard something or watched something play out and you had a conversation with another person who was there maybe an hour or two after the event happened? And your versions of what occurred are totally different. You better not trust your eyes. They will lie to you. Your eyes will lie to you so much that from the beginning, how was it that Eve was deceived? Because she saw. Well, I saw it with my own eyes. I don't care what you saw. I don't necessarily believe you. Verse 45, and Moses and Aaron, and they fell on their faces. Again, the man of God interceding for these people who can't see what is going on around them. And he falls on his face because God sends a plague upon the people. And he tells Aaron, go out with the censer and stand between the people and the plague. In verse 48, and he, Aaron, stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. How important is this that we see clearly? It's life and death. Not just life and death in this physical body, but it's life and death in the spirit. I've gone through seasons where I've had thoughts that I knew were not my thoughts. Like, where did that come from? I've had seasons where, and it happened recently, where I was plagued by negativity and things that just are not common to myself. Like, why is this just riding me so heavy? And then I begin to realize somebody is struggling with this. Somebody that I'm about to have contact with, somebody that I'm about to maybe preach to or just minister to on a one-on-one basis, something is going on with somebody, God is going to bring me into contact with somebody. that's struggling with this. I know my commitment to the man of God in my life, and I know... That it is an unwavering. I have a witness in the room. <laughs> unwavering. So, why over the last few months have I been having these out of pocket thoughts? And I have no doubt. That most of us in this, in this building tonight, in this church, are committed to the kingdom of God and committed to our pastor. And committed to what God is doing through this church in this season. Jesus. But the Holy Ghost is reaching for somebody. You've listened to the wrong voice. You've, list, you've looked at the wrong thing. You've allowed your eyes to be turned from the vision that God is casting for his people. You're starting to entertain thoughts that you should not be entertaining. And I told you from the beginning this morning that I really felt like God sent us here to lift up the hands of the characters this weekend and to minister to them. And I'm standing in defense of your pastor tonight. I'm sure he would not mind me saying this and agree with me. He's not perfect. But he is called. He is anointed. He is called and anointed for this place at this time, for this people. And he has your best interest at heart. That's right. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and worship him for just a moment? Help us, God. Praise God. If someone could come to the music. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 17 reads, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind. And naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And again, over in John 9, we won't read there, but Jesus comes to the blind man, and he asks to receive his sight, and Jesus spits in the ground and creates clay and puts it on the blind man's eyes and tells him, Go wash. Some vision problems have to be washed away. Some vision problems need some repentance and some application of the word and some washing of regeneration and some renewing of the Holy Ghost to wash away the vision issue. In Laodicea, it was interesting, they were known because manufactured in the city of Laodicea was particular type of eye salve. There was a particular mineral that was mined in that area that was used in ointments and eye salves. And it always interests me the way God would just zero in on churches and cities as he's addressing them. And he speaks to them right out of their situation. You think that because you produce this eye salve that you can see, but the Holy Ghost tells them you're blind. You don't need the eye salve that you're making over here in your apothecary shop. You need to come to me and you need to buy an eye salve from me and I will heal your eyes. Can we stand tonight? And I know... I know that most of us... This may not even apply to tonight. But there are times when the Holy Ghost... I've watched the Holy Ghost throw an entire service for one person I've watched the Holy Ghost literally everybody is sitting in the pews yawning, falling asleep and one person gets what they need from God in that service so I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight Because I feel like I'm looking at a bunch of faithful people. I feel like I'm looking at people that are just sold out to the vision that God has given your pastor. But somewhere in the crevices, somewhere in the cracks and the creases, somebody's struggling. You can't see it as clearly as you did six months ago. You can't see it as clearly as you did 12 months ago. You can't see it as clearly as when you first started out on this push and you've raised $400,000 in your building fund. And Pastor told me today, I don't even know how we did it. God just started doing it. And so we've come this far. But somebody's vision is getting just a little. Oh, hear the voice of God tonight. Come to him and buy the eye salve and wash your eyes that you can see. So much at stake. Not, not for the church. The church is going there. The pastor's going there it's gonna happen you don't want to be left out you don't you don't want to come up short of what God wants to do in your life can we lift our hands and begin to talk to him in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus oh God oh God This is what I want us to do. This is what I want us to do. I want as many as it can. Let's all come as close as we can get. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is going to help some people in the next few minutes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah. Here's what we're gonna do. Say, God, touch my vision. God, help me to see what you are doing. God, don't let me see warped images. Don't let me have a skewed perspective. Oh, God. Oh, like the blind man on the the road. Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. Oh, God, let me have clear vision. Oh, let me see your purpose. Oh, let me see your will.